I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. And I am really enjoying going through some of my heroes from history. We've looked at the life of Amy Carmichael and Darlene Dibler. And this episode, I'd like to look at Corey Ten Boom, who's one of my very favorite authors and Christians from history. I've learned so much just by observing her life through her books and her messages. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that you can still get the early bird pricing on our Set Apart Conference for 2022. It's happening the first weekend in June. You can join us in Colorado or anywhere you are via simulcast. And if you sign up for a simulcast, it's a great way to share the set apart message with other women in your life. And you can stream the sessions anytime from June throughout the rest of this year. So go to setapartgirl.com and click on upcoming events to learn more about how you can be a part of that conference this year. Our theme this year is going to be on abiding in Christ. And I'm very excited to see what God has in store for that event. So let's dive into spiritual lessons from Corey Ten Boom. I love the book, The Hiding Place. It's really a classic Christian story, true story of God's amazing faithfulness and triumph in the midst of incredible circumstances. If you haven't read it, it's definitely a must read. It's it's just really the story of Corey's family during the Holocaust. They lived in Holland and they were arrested because they helped the Jews and several of her family members died and she spent time in a German concentration camp and what she learned and how she walked with God through those years is truly so uplifting and so edifying. My favorite book that she's written is called Tramp for the Lord, and it's a follow-up to The Hiding Place, but it's about her ministry after she was released from the concentration camp, and it really is so edifying to me spiritually to read this little book that I probably read it at least once a year, and I've just finished going through it again for probably the sixth, seventh, eighth time, and every single time I read this book, it's a very simple book, but I get some something new out of it that really helps me in my spiritual walk. This week, I would like to just highlight four aspects of Corey's life and the way that she lived out her faith that have really spoken deeply to my heart, and I hope they will encourage you as well. And the first lesson that I've learned from Corey Ten Boom is about having childlike faith. One of the things that Corey believed in very strongly was that God is very interested in the details of our lives, and he will direct our steps, as it says in Proverbs, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and don't lean on our own understanding, he will direct our steps. He will guide us and lead us in the way that we should go. And she took that very literally when it came to her ministry. She felt called to travel the world as a tramp for the Lord is what she called herself, sharing the gospel, sharing her testimony, leading people to Jesus. And truly, it was one of the most powerful evangelistic ministries from the time she was in her 60s after getting out of the concentration camp until she was in her, I think it was late 80s that she passed away. She was all over the world sharing her story and encouraging believers and leading people to Christ. She would pray every single time she was getting ready to go to a new location. She would pray that God would show her where to go. And she believed that if her heart was right with God and she waited on God, he would tell her exactly where to go in the very specific details. And you can see this time and time again in the book Tramp for the Lord, where she was led to go somewhere that didn't even seem practical to go. There was one story where she was supposed to, she really felt strongly she was supposed to fly a very specific route from one country to another. It was a complicated trip with lots of different stops where she was going to be ministering to people 
along the way. And she met with a travel agent who said that route is impossible. There would have to be an island in the middle of the ocean to, for the plane to refuel if you are supposed to go that way. And she said, well, my commander in chief has told me this is the route I'm supposed to go. So I'm going to pray for an island to appear in the middle of the ocean. And I think it was about an hour later, the travel agent called her and said, did you really pray for that? And Corey said, yes. And she said, well, your prayers have been answered because now there's a new stop that we didn't have until today where the plane can go to refuel so you can take this route after all. So, so many stories like that where she knew she was hearing from God and she just stood firm on what she believed God had led her to do and how God was so faithful every time. There was another time when she felt led to go to Argentina and she went with her traveling partner and they didn't know anyone in the city. They just felt like maybe we missed it. They were sitting out in the pouring rain trying to figure out what to do, where to go. And they ended up meeting someone who opened up incredible ministry opportunities for them. There was another time where she really felt led to go to a, a country in South America, and she and her traveling companion were there in the pouring rain when they finally got there. It had been a grueling trip. They, there was no one to meet them. They didn't know if they could even find any Christians, and it was a very dangerous place to be at the time. It was uh, the city that they went to was sort of run by communists, and you were not allowed to openly talk about the gospel. And so they really had no idea you know, where they were going to go, what they were going to do. And I think it was the next day after they arrived, the the woman who was traveling with Corey was just walking around praying where she should go and how she should explore ministry opportunities. And she was led to go to this home, not really sure why she was led to go there, but knocked on the door and it was opened by a man who was a pastor. And behind him were a whole bunch of pastors praying on their knees. And she pointed to one of Corey's books and pointed back at the city to say, Corey Ten Boom is here. And these pastors were just overjoyed because they so needed encouragement and they had read Corey's books and they were thrilled that she had come to minister to them. But it was one of those situations where they were led to go there, but God had to direct their steps to the actual people they were supposed to minister to. And they showed up there without any contacts or any clarity as what they were even going to do. There's another story in the intro or the foreword to her book where someone else is writing about her when she was scheduled to speak at a really large conference. And I think it was the night before she was in her 80s, early 80s at the time, she had had a heart attack. And instead of going to the hospital, she just prayed for healing. She asked someone to come and pray for her healing. And she started to feel better. And the next morning, she stood in front of a thousand people giving her testimony, just childlike in believing the promises of God and not necessarily just listening to what would make sense in the natural human wisdom side of things, but really being so attuned to the Holy Spirit. And so as I've been reading her story afresh, I've just been asking God to give me a, a deeper measure of that childlike trust, that childlike faith. And that expectation that he cares about the details of our lives and his promises are real and he will guide and direct our steps if we don't rush ahead of him, if we will wait for him to show us where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do. Another aspect of her life was her humility. This really stood out to me because all throughout her ministry, she's always talking about how she's confessing her sin and being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. She never paints herself up as this amazing woman that has just arrived spiritually. And she tells this one story about being in Cuba where she was first one night she was at a youth meeting invited to speak there. And it was this really exhausting 
time because it was a hot room. There were bugs flying everywhere. Her, all the people got there late. There was loud, raucous music and a missionary talking about medical work that was very boring. And she was so exhausted by the time she even got up to speak. And when she was done speaking, they gave an altar call. And she thought to herself, you know, I hope nobody comes to the front. I just want to get home to bed. And to her surprise, there were dozens of people that came to the front to give her life to Christ. And she was so, so ashamed thinking I was only caring about myself and my rest and my bed. And here God is working and leading people into his kingdom. So she felt really ashamed. And the next morning she was speaking at a very large, uh, reputable, well-to-do Cuban church. And they had put this glowing thing about her in the bulletin about how she was selfless and tireless in her work for the gospel. And she got up on the platform and confessed that she was not selfless. In fact, just the night before she had struggled tremendously with selfishness. It was hard for her to admit that publicly because she really did feel that they might reject her because here they had her up on such a pedestal and she was saying, no, I, I've struggled even just last night with incredible selfishness. And yet because of her humility, the people were so much more eager to hear her. She said in her book, Corey Ten Boom knows what to do with her sin. When I confess them, Jesus Christ washes them in his blood. Corey Ten Boom is lazy, selfish, and filled with ego, but Jesus in Corey Ten Boom is just the opposite of all these things. And then she wrote, after she made that confession, instead of a beautiful church with prominent members and a popular world evangelist, we were all sinners who knew that Jesus Jesus died to lift us out of the vicious circle of ego into the light of his love. God had blessed the truth. And that's just one example of that kind of humility. But I really believe one of the reasons she was so powerful for the gospel is because she demonstrated such amazing humility and was so quick to admit her faults and her selfishness and know that her only hope was to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Another amazing truth about Corey's life is that she had amazing, incredible love for individual people. When you are traveling and speaking to thousands, and she spoke at Billy Graham Crusades and thousands and thousands of people, her book was uh, all over the world. It's really easy at that point to just look at people as a big clump. You know, here's 2,000 people or 5,000 people. She never lost her ability to see the individual lives that she was ministering to. And everywhere she went, she prayed that God would lead her to the people, the specific people that he wanted her to pray for or share the gospel with. So she has a story in her book about how there was a Russian hotel maid who showed up in her room and wanted to have a gospel tract. And Corey went out of her way to communicate truth with this woman, even though it was sort of against the law to share the gospel with someone like this. And it was dangerous for the woman to even be asking. But she prayed so much for this one woman that she couldn't even speak the language and spent most of the morning witnessing to her and believes that she gave her life to Christ. She talked about visiting a woman who had only one finger. She was crippled with a terrible disease. And with that one finger, she translated books of the Bible and Christian books and smuggled them into her country, which was a communist country. And she wrote about just going to this woman and blessing her, praying for her, encouraging her. She talked about visiting a man in a polio ward in South America and leading him to Christ just the day before he died. She talked about visiting a man who had lost his legs in the war. He was a German lawyer and how he she walked through with him the process of letting go of his bitterness and, forg and forgiving those that had harmed him. And just all throughout her book, she's, she's just talking about these individual souls, how precious.
precious they are to God and how God used her and directed her to speak truth into these lives. And so as I've I've observed this about her, it's been a prayer on my heart that I would never lose sight of the individuals that are all around me. I would never look at the world out there as just a big lost cause or, okay, here's a group of non-Christians, but I would see the individuals, especially the specific ones that God has assigned me to reach. The last quality that I want to point out in Corrie Ten Boom's life is her endurance. She constantly had to say no to self-pity and say yes to the call of God, even though the call of God was somewhat grueling and difficult. She lived out of a suitcase and and tramped around the world for about the last 20 or 30 years of her life. In Tramp for the Lord, she shares a story of, of almost wanting to give up her commission from the Lord because she had just had a really rough time of travel. She had had customs officials that had harassed her, and then she got to the place she was supposed to go, and the people hadn't arranged any meetings for her to speak at, and she had this little room without a writing table. And she said, self-pity had come into my heart. Self-pity is a nasty sin, and the devil uses it and always starts his talks with poor Corey. And this time he began by saying, why must you always live out of a suitcase? Stay home, and then you won't have trouble with the custom officials, passports, luggage, plane connections, and other things. Every night you will be able to sleep in the same comfortable bed. There are no earthquakes in Holland. After all, you are no longer young. You've lived like a tramp for many, many years. It's time to hang up your harness and retire into a nice green pasture. Let someone else do the work you've earned the reward. And then she said she was agreeing with Satan and saying, yes, that makes sense. You're right. So she wrote to a friend in Holland, asked that a guest room would be prepared for her because she's going to just retire now and be done with all this travel. Everybody would understand she was very old and people are always telling her she must be tired at her age. But then she picked up her Bible and she read Romans chapter 10. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And she said, I realized it is not my task to give God instructions. I am simply to report for duty. I laid my Bible on the bed and picked up pen and paper. Balancing the pad clumsily on my knee, I wrote my friend in Holland, forget that last letter I wrote. I'm not coming home to Holland. I refuse to spend the rest of my life in a pasture. When there are so many fields to harvest, I hope to die in harness. That story spoke a lot to me when I first read it because so often we have these mentalities that the world has given us about different seasons of our lives. If we're in those young adult years, we might think, oh, this is my time. This is my time. You know, I'll never have this much freedom again. This is my time to have fun and live for me. If you're in the career or child raising years, you might think, okay, this is my time to really build up my own little kingdom and earn a lot of money and achieve my dreams and accomplish my goals. And then if you're in the retirement years, like Corey was, oh, it's totally reasonable for me to just take it easy and think about myself and sit in my rocking chair and just I've earned my reward. And yet in every single one of these seasons, the calling of God on our life is to say, Lord, I'm available to you. I'm not going to live for myself or just pursue my own desires, my own comforts. I'm completely available to you. And Corey Ten Boom lived that way all the way up until the day she died. She was outward focused and she said, I'm going to die in harness. I'm, I'm seeing these 
these white harvest fields and I cannot ignore them and just go live for myself. And what a challenging, what a challenging message, no matter what season of life we're in, because there's always that temptation to choose the comforts of this world and the conveniences of this world over that endurance, over that being a good soldier of Christ and, and going into all the world and, sh- and sharing the gospel. So as I look over these amazing truths from Corey's life, I have been asking God to make me more childlike in my faith, more dependent on him, more trusting, more humble, more willing to admit my faults and more uh, and be filled with more endurance, be willing to put self-pity and self-seeking ways aside and make myself even more available to God. And that is why I love Christian biographies, because they constantly are like iron sharpening iron for my soul, and they're constantly challenging me to not pitch my tent, but to constantly go forward with Jesus Christ. I hope as you study the lives of these great women and other great women and men in history that you will do the same And you will take these lessons from Corey's life and begin to apply them in the different areas of your life. Lord, in what ways do I need to become more childlike, more dependent on you, more aware of the individual lives and the preciousness of their souls that you've placed all around me, more humble and more willing to endure. And God will be so faithful to show us those areas that need refining by his gentle, loving touch the gentle, loving touch of his spirit. He doesn't beat us over the head with these truths, but he just lovingly awakens us to them. And by his grace, he equips us to say yes in obedience to him. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.